Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Escape the ordinary with Green and Black's organic chocolate, sponsor of the Women's Podcast. A rich, intense chocolate to savor. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Just in case you don't know, the Irish Times is producing a daily Confronting Corona podcast and it has updates on all the developments in this constantly changing situation. You can find it on irishtimes.com or wherever you get your podcasts and it really is worth listening to. Now, on Saturday just gone, it was confirmed that 17 more patients diagnosed with coronavirus in the state have died. The Health Protection Surveillance Centre said it had also been informed of 331 new confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the Republic as of 1pm on Saturday. So there have now been 137 coronavirus-related deaths and 4,604 confirmed cases in Ireland. It's certainly way off where Leo Varadkar was worried that we'd be at this stage, which means we're doing well in our attempts to flatten the curve of this thing. But it's still so important that we're not complacent and we continue to adhere to all the restrictions uh, that have been put upon us. I know for some more than others, it's really difficult. And certainly I'm thinking of the older people cocooning, especially those living alone. It can be a very frightening and lonely experience, but hopefully it'll all before the good. Coming up on this episode, I caught up with Razan Ibrahim, a regular on this podcast. The Syrian Dublin based journalist told me how she's getting on in lockdown Ireland. And also, Irish TV presenter Angela Scanlon came on for a chat about how she's coping with pandemic life in London. But first, we really appreciate all the emails and tweets to the women's podcast at irishtimes.com and at IT Women's Podcast. Tell us what you'd like us to cover and give us any feedback about our recent episodes. We love hearing it. And I wanted to read you this really nice email from a listener in Canada. It's just great to hear it. Hi there. My name is Margaret and I live in a small town called Grand Forks in British Columbia, Canada. I absolutely love your podcasts. Your podcast on homeschooling was complete and utter delight. Roisin's daughters, Joya and Priya, were so funny, refreshing, honest, intelligent and bright. What a sense of humour they had and what great crack. Joya and Priya were a true tonic to me during these surreal times. I had such a good laugh listening to their banter. I just had to let you know how much I appreciate and enjoy all the podcasts and say a huge thank you. I will close for now. Thanks again for all your wonderful and entertaining podcasts. Stay safe and take care. That's from Margaret. And you stay safe as well, Margaret, listening to us in Grand Forks in British Columbia and Canada. It's great to have that international audience uh, and keep in touch with us. It's now important more than ever. And we're so delighted to hear from all our new and existing listeners at this time. 
Now, we've been looking for different perspectives on the pandemic, and that's why I gave Razan Ibrahim a call. Razan is from Syria. You'll have heard her on the podcast before. And she talked to me about how she's coping with the loneliness of lockdown about life for refugees at this time. It's pretty much impossible to socially distance in a a refugee camp, which is something we might not be thinking about unless we have direct knowledge of it. And she also talked to me about why she's keeping very strictly to her daily routine. Here she is, Razan Ibrahim. Razan, thanks very much for coming on the Women's Podcast. Just remind listeners about your own situation and how you ended up in Ireland. Yeah, so um, my name is Razan Ibrahim. I came to Ireland to do my master's in uh, English language teaching in University of Limerick. So I finished my master's uh, around uh, 2012, but at that time, the violence escalated uh, in Syria and it was one of the worst times actually uh, during the Syrian wars. So I was unable to go back home. Um, So I stayed in Ireland, I applied for refugee status, I became a refugee and then I became an Irish citizen. Um, I was living in Limerick for a while, then I moved to Dublin, I work in social media and uh, right now I am uh, assistant editor and senior journalist in Storyful News Agency. Brilliant. Very succinct. Thank you very much. Um, so I suppose, Razan, I've just been asking various people about how they're getting on. Can you tell us your own uh, lockdown situation and how things are panning out for you? Um, it's not easy. I have had many challenges. I, I think the first one, I am very outgoing person. I only use uh, my place is just to sleep. <laughs> and then I spend my whole day outside, like meeting people, meeting friends, uh, like a lot of socializing, conferences, events, etc. Uh, so this is like really my daily life every day. And there is something as well that I love hugging people. I love <laughs> when I see friends or people I love I just go and hug and kiss and like really I think physical connection for me was really important so this is like when we have the lockdown uh, two things I had to stay in my very small studio uh, in Dublin uh, city so it was really small um a, a lot of walls around me uh, and uh, I had to spend like the whole most of the whole day in this small studio and besides when I meet people friends by accident I stay two meters or three meters away from them I can't kiss I can't hug I can really show the passion and love for them so this is like really difficult uh, at yeah I mean till now however it is difficult for everybody and uh, and as I said, like, it was for me a question to adapt and cope. So this is when I started to have my daily routine every day, trying to trying my best to have the daily routine. It's not easy, but trying my best to, to wake up early, uh, work from home, uh, connect with the people I care about, my friends. Um, even sometimes like I haven't been in touch with many friends for years and years. Now I am going back and connecting with them, talking to them through video, through um, social media, any any tools that we can use. So that's like one of the uh, things I'm trying to do as well, uh, more healthy food. Um, I do my own cooking, my own recipes, and then um, 
I go for a run every day. Like when I finish my work, I go for around half an hour and 45 minutes run, uh, get fresh air. And um, like it is really help helping me to go outside for a little bit and connect with the nature. That's very important. But at the same time, really careful in the measurements that I have to take personally, be away from people two meters uh, and, and like near where I live. I don't exceed more than two kilometers from where I live. Um, Rasan, you, ha- you have family here too. Absolutely. I have a brother, a sister and uh, my niece. So, uh, yeah, it is really hard not to see each other. However, every weekend we go like somewhere we just meet each other, chat and talk, which is really, really helpful and important. And uh, Roisin, as you know, as well, I have family back home in Syria. So I have my mom and my dad, and that I think one of the biggest challenge I had because when I was, when when the lockdown started and I was in my home, so you know, like a lot of memories come to you, a lot of yeah. thinking, a lot of, a lot of like missing people, um, all of these, you know, come to come to you. And my mom and dad was like the biggest part, honestly, in my daily thinking. So they were like all the time in my mind and for a while, especially in Mother's Day, because of the lockdown here and in Syria, I was unable to send um, a present or a card or even sometimes to transfer money to my mom. So I was unable to do anything of that. And, And the hardest part when I wanted even to speak to her on the phone at that day, I was unable to connect properly I couldn't hear her voice uh, what she's saying like like properly so that was one of the I'd say most difficult moment for me during um the lockdown um but as I said like it is tough time for everybody but what we need to is to keep going be positive um and 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 try our best to have our routines and and daily life yeah, um, Razan, so tell me about Syria, because what I'm finding very interesting is I'm listening a lot to the BBC World Service. I don't know if you are as well. And and hearing how things are in, in other countries in the world, because one result of this is, is this kind of realisation, in case we didn't know already, of how connected we are, you know, just the human race. Generally, it's happening in all different countries and it's being people are being affected in different ways. But there is that sense that we are all in this together, I think two thirds of the world is is in lockdown at the moment. So, um, what what's happening in Syria, and what are you managing to find out about there? Absolutely, what you said is really important, and I would like to highlight and to emphasize that during this uh, like coronavirus um, uh, like crisis, we have actually started to realize that anything happened. In, in Damascus, it will affect Dublin. In Wuhan, it will affect New York. So we are all in one boat. If, if we are trying to help or to solve the problems in one country, we have to solve problems in another. We are not safe unless we are all safe, as Amnesty and Column from Amnesty put it. It's amazing, amazing statement. So um, in Syria, the situation is very vague. 
We don't know the reality exactly what is happening. The numbers are not uh, 100% correct. This is we, we don't have transparency or or like freedom of uh, information and transparency transparency in in conveying information. So we don't really exactly know what's the situation on the ground, but we know that two people uh, passed away because of coronavirus. The cases around, I'd say around 15 cases so far. Uh, however, the, that huge issue is um, that if it really spread and breaks in Syria, it, it is going to be a disaster, a disaster, a disaster. The health system cannot cope at all because uh, there's no health system. It's 10 years of war and destruction. So this is will deeply affect people. Second, second, which is as well very important, refugee camps in Syria. In North Syria, near the Turkish borders, there are around 1 million living in tents near the borders. They don't have basic things to protect themselves from coronavirus, which is soap. Can you imagine? There's no soap, no uh, water to wash their hands. So this is the basic things to protect yourself. And refugees, they can't do it. And if one refugee got affected and confirmed coronavirus case, it's going to be a real disaster in the region and we won't be able to contain it. So that's why I think there should be a huge, serious effort from, from government, from United Nations, from any international like community to know that we won't be safe unless we are all really safe. However, I'm not very optimistic because the Syrian war has been 10 years almost, and we didn't see a serious effort to stop the war. You know what I mean? So this is what I, what feel, I feel, I feel um, scared, I feel worried that if it breaks, we won't see the help that these people uh, need. And, uh, and of course, apart, uh, in, like apart from many uh, problems will raise around coronavirus in the region. So let's let's remember as well, there are millions of refugees in, in Jordan, in Turkey, in Lebanon, and most importantly, the refugees stuck in Greek islands. This is beyond, and this is European, European land where people, they can't have their social distance. This is a simple, the simple concept of how to protect yourself is to have a social distance and they can't do it. So it's it's really it's really complex, but it is important, so important to remember that we have to help all of each other. It's not only one country or one region on or one continent. So that's the concept should be really highlighted more and more. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important. And that's why I wanted to speak to you as well, Razan, because I think all those different international perspectives. I, I was reading a story about a refugee camp in um, Greece where the authorities had kind of curtailed their Internet access. So they're not actually even getting the correct information that they need in order to stay safe. So there's so many people there who can't socially distance, who are not being told the, the right things. Um, Razan, what about you in terms of keeping your work going? Because your work is kind of online, but are, have you kind of diversified a bit for yourself? 
Yeah, I mean, my work is uh, mainly online and actually uh, storyful. We've been, we have uh, many offices around the world, in New York, in London, in Australia. So we've been working online for a while, you know, like this is the concept of storyful. Now we are uh, all working from home. So we are using the same tools that we, we always use. So it, it, it kind of, it was manageable. And uh, every uh, we always connect with each other, you know, like this is something really important. They always like our friends, colleagues, managers, they connect and they say, like always checking about ourselves, how we are getting on, etc. And we do as well, uh, like socializing on, on social media on, and even on video calls. So we get uh, like a night out together virtually on 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 uh, on these uh, like tools video conferences so yeah i mean i moved like more all my work now uh, in in my small room so i was saying like i i dream i work i cook i sleep in this small <laughs> place but i started as i said like really to cope even with the work it was tough at the start because i used to have very big two screens because i do a lot of verification and uh, and analysis so we need two big screens to be able to exactly verify the content and videos and pictures that we are looking at now i have a small laptop i'm working from it uh, challenging uh, but but as i said like we need to cope with this kind of stuff and uh, and as well, like trying to do other stuff apart from from online. So um, I, I recently we did um, uh, like training for Arab journalists in the Middle East, North Africa, about how to verify content about coronavirus, how to discover content, how to make sure what you are seeing is correct or not, because the most important thing especially with misinformation, life and life of the people is at stake. Their lives is in danger. So that's why we need to have correct, verified information spreading um, uh, all over like the social media. And that's why I believe actually our work is really valuable at this time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, all of that and trying to do anything, you know, like, like um, small, small ideas, projects, anything I can help. I always do my best, you know, try to to a little bit shift from only online and talking to people, verifying content, all of that. And listen, just before you go, one of the things that we've been talking about here on the podcast is the issue with direct provision residents. So we had Precious Matumba on last week, I think, um, to talk about her situation in Mosni. Are you worried about about the people in direct provision as well? Absolutely. This is what we were saying. Like, how can we have social distance in Ireland? And we are forcing people, we are advising people, we are telling people, you have to have your social distance. And then we have people in direct provision, they can't do that. This is a simple concept of, of protecting ourselves from coronavirus. So they can't do that. They live in crowded places and they need to have this because um, if one is affected and another is affected, and I believe that there were, there are cases of that, how are we going to be all safe? How are we going to end this coronavirus spread? We can't. So this is the basic and 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 it should be a serious effort, honestly, from the Irish government to look at this seriously and stop 
the spread of coronavirus by by providing healthy conditions to every one of us, not only part of the country or part of the people. Every human being on this island should have the the same right to be able to self-isolate and to be able to have social distance. So that is extremely important. And I'm really worried because there are many asylum seekers and refugees already, you know, there are actually till now uh, refugees status and they are still living in direct provision because there are no uh, houses like available for them. So it's really crowded place. And I, I believe people are really worried and afraid. So it should be taken seriously by the Irish government to stop that. Yeah, Razan, thank you so much. We wish you all the best in your own lockdown. It's It sounds like you're really looking after yourself and being full of self-care. I'm very impressed uh, with your run and your daily routine. So I, I know it's hard to do that. I find that myself. You kind of slip into, I think the novelty has worn off for a lot of people and the routines that we established are going a bit by the wayside. So I'm sure you'll inspire people to get back onto their thank routine. Thank you. <laughs> and thank take you care so of yourself. Thank for having me. Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, a selection of ethically sourced flavours combined with a rich cocoa intensity. Thanks very much to Razan. Now, Angela Scanlon is a bit of a force of nature. She's one of those Irish women who went over to London and through a lot of hard graft and talent, she's done very well as a TV presenter over there. You'll know her from The One Show on BBC and shows like Your Home Made Perfect. And she also used to be the co-host of Robot Wars with Dara O'Brien. She's going to be back with a new RTE show, Ask Me Anything, later in the year. And the second series of her podcast, Thank a million launches this week. She's great crack and she's full of gratitude, especially during this crisis. Hope you enjoy her. Here she is, Angela Scanlon. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to us from London. Tell us about your situation, your pandemic setup there. Um, it's funny, I, I was on to somebody last night and they were talking about the cocooning in Ireland, which I said, oh my God, it feels like such a warm, tender way to approach it. And I likened over here to the Hunger Games a little bit more. So <laughs> it's slightly like you're allowed your state controlled walk once a day, like literally out to do a bit of exercise, but close to home. I know the two kilometre thing has been introduced in Ireland as well, but um yeah, it's literally go out to get your groceries, come home, shut up shop. Um, and it took, it's it's weird for me because I was in Ireland filming my new show. And so I was hearing obviously that impacted that show. And so the severity and the seriousness of it, I was really acutely aware of. And then I came back here literally the day later and they're like, yeah, we're still filming on Monday for a different show and we're still doing this. And I was kind of caught between these two worlds where I was like, it's a, like, it's, this is really serious. And I don't want to be the one who kind of alerts you guys to that fact or who refuses to go on the job, but like shit's about to get real. So it, it did take time. And I feel like I've been in slightly this you know, extended period. So from the time I came home 
um, back here from Ireland, we've kind of been doing our own lockdown since. And then obviously Bojo got on the old telly and told us all to, to stay in. So yeah, I've, I've just been at home myself, my husband Roy, he's upstairs in our office, which is apparently his office and, um, our little one who's two and lively and doesn't really know what's going on, but you know, wants to go to the playground. And so I keep having to tell her it's closed for a couple of weeks and there's a lot of messy play going on and trying to do a bit of work from home whatever is possible for me to do remotely and also I suppose try to approach this as and this is a bit of a stretch but like as a gift of sorts this slowing down this kind of forced slowdown which is usually what I have to do. I usually have to take myself to a different country and make sure that the Wi-Fi is broken in order to be able to um, to to do those things. So I'm kind of trying to remind myself of, you know, potential upside or maybe with hindsight how we'll look back on this as quite a, a moment of of change, of recalibration maybe. It's really apt that your podcast, Thanks a Million, is about to launch its second series because the podcast is all about giving thanks. We've always done it in this house a little bit, but I've really been introducing it more during this time. So at the dinner table, to stop the focus on Corona, we're talking about the little things that made us happy. And I run a little thing on Twitter called Hashtag Irish Times Happy, where people are throwing in their little joyful things. I saw it. I love it. It's great. So I think sometimes these things happen really in a beautifully timely way tell us about thanks a million first of all why you came up with it and how you know it's working at this time well yeah thanks a million i came up we launched last year maybe late like september time last year maybe earlier i'm really bad with timings honestly is it november who knows um so yeah for me it was kind of like i feel like i have explored lots of different things some of them like far out more traditional stuff like therapy and journaling and whatever but like also gong baths and spiritual retreats and all of the stuff that usually people roll their eyes at and so for me gratitude was the one thing was kind of like mindfulness for for cynics it was an acceptable thing to do so whether it's you know writing writing down three things whether it's just sitting into it and feeling into that and so that was kind of where it was it was born out of and the hope is I suppose that if you are cynical and you're not open to exploring these things that I think add to your life and add to your sense of happiness and and actually help your head if like me it's noisy um that this is is an introduction so I'm hoping that it will be mainstream enough that people won't go oh that's fluffy oh shite for the girls you know Angela, it's really interesting. I don't think people are rolling their eyes anymore. I mean, I've heard at least two RTE programs, current affairs programs, trying to guide people through meditation. Um, On Ray Darcy as well, the other day, they had a Buddhist monk giving people a meditation course. So I think um, now more than ever, it's a time when people are not raising their eyebrows and thinking this is weird because people are really realising that if they have some kind of practice like that, it's helping with the anxiety and with the kind of uncertainty that we all are experiencing. And hopefully it will be something that after this is gone, people realise 
they can have that in their daily life anyway, you know. Yeah, and they can own it. And I think in fairness, you know, um, like things like goop and there's a lot of wellness and the kind of bastardization of that term has, has made a lot of people feel that it's an absolutely, it's a middle class privilege to be so comfortable in every other area of your life that you can really spend time focusing on those things that are, you know, they're they're extra and and they're not they're actually everything and I think this this time although frightening and we're all so out of control and I think we are um yes scared and all of the the tools that we have to busy ourselves to distract ourselves to make ourselves feel like we're in control of this thing uh, have been have been taken away from us and so all of a sudden we're sitting at home with our thoughts with our loved ones. The podcast and the act of practicing gratitude, as you say, is actually to kind of root yourself right now and to go very quickly go, do you know what I'm really thankful for today is them skanky Ugg slippers that I'm looking at right now that I actually have been wearing around the house. I haven't taken them off in two weeks or, um, you know, like a cup of tea or like those simple things like a little cuddle from your daughter or... um or your sanctioned daily walk suddenly you know we've got a woods close to our house thankfully and I go in most of the time but I stuck in my phone or I don't really look now I'm like I'm out I'm out for my walk and I'm going to concentrate on my walk and I'm going to enjoy it and all of those little things actually I think are the things that that make you feel content and secure and even if everything else is a bit nuts um you know it's going to be okay so tell me some of the little things uh, that you're grateful for, because you mentioned that your mum taught you how to make a loaf of her classic brown bread on Instagram Live. I mean, how amazing is that? <laughs> I know. So my mom. Where is, is she, um, first of all? Like she, she's in Mead, in Ratoth. First of all, she agreed to do an Instagram Live, but she had no idea. And then when I rang her up and I said, so we're going to go live. She said, what? So hang on, what? So this would be like, what? No, but I thought we were going to do a video and then you could put it up later. I was like, we're going in. And so she was classic Irish mammy. And, and actually it was so cute because I got so many messages from people saying, oh, this was comfort, like whatever about your bread and the recipe, which mine was absolutely dog well, it was all right, but I had a lot of ingredients missing and I was freestyling a bit, which I've learned in baking is not a thing. But yeah, that was like a lovely thing to do. And, you know, often I will go home to Meath and be busy and my sister lives next door and there's four kids there and it's always a madhouse. And I have meant on many occasions to actually like learn how to make brown bread. There's something very homely and wholesome about that idea. And also I just feel like a proper grown up if I've mastered a loaf of bloody soda bread. So... I thought, why not? Now is as good a time as any. So we did that and it was actually lovely. And it's funny because a couple of years back, I did a show on BBC Two where it was talking about the world's greatest invention, okay? And so they had different quote-unquote celebrities like take ownership of an invention. So Angela Rippon was like heading up antibiotics and David Hare was the steam engine and I can't remember. There was loads of different people. Anyway, I was the phone. They obviously like brought me in as the young one and so I was the one who was defending and like stating the case for the phone 
And honestly, I think over the last number of years, people have been become, and, and I include myself in this, I feel like my phone has become this kind of little intrusive pest that I have to answer, I have to feed because it's part of what I do in work, but it's an, it's an annoyance and it's an intrusion and it's ruining life. And suddenly I feel like, oh my God, when I see someone come up and FaceTime, I said this on Instagram the other day, it used to feel like a violation. Somebody ringing me, are you having a laugh? Send a bloody audio message and feck off. And so I've so, I've suddenly been like, oh my God, please, somebody violate me. <laughs> I know. Okay, I like it. We'll quote you on that, Angela. Now, um, yeah, it's amazing because, you know, I remember I would like people, I'd be texting them before ringing them saying I just wondered any is there any good time to talk with you and you'd feel like you were crashing into someone's life and now it's so lovely 100%. the way I'm having this long phone conversations some of them on video but not all of them just the fact that we're talking more and we're really talking. appreciating it like especially with people in different countries like my friend in New York we're now having kind of virtual dinner together and stuff and yeah and I love fun. that and I also think it's it's the start of because again sorry to I didn't mention that BBC show just to like bang on about something I did but what my defense of it was that actually the ability to have quite intimate communication with people as you say all over the world and suddenly I'm making brown bread with my mom a thing that I would never do if I was standing next to her you know and so it was like yeah I think we will have a newfound appreciation for that and feel like it's less of a and yeah less of an intrusion I suppose like Instagram as well I think no I've got this thanks a million trio kind of like your happy hashtag on um on Twitter and it's where people will list off things that they're grateful for on any given day and uh, you know I kind of do that to share that they do not need to be profound life-changing things that it's like a fries Turkish delight <laughs> um, or yeah or a chat or a um, a film Ruby has just started sitting mm, mostly sitting through Pet Detective or whatever that bloody show is Pets um, so she'll you know, potentially sit down for a period and we'll get popcorn and we'll sit down and watch a film together. And that feels quite special. So it's kind of allowing, giving people permission to to look at the seemingly small, mundane, nothing stuff and recognise that that's the real stuff. And wonderfully, you have Marion Keys featuring in your new series, which is always something that yes. makes people happy and thankful. Honestly, yeah. she's just magic. And I re-listened to the episode, the, the live one that you did, if you haven't... Um, heard it go back and and listen to it it's it's gorgeous and I know you two are friends but it has that real sense of of just two pals chatting along which I think is what we all want from from these conversations and she is um yeah she's just wonderful and she's so open and generous um in the way that she shares her experiences and she's deeply sensitive but also raucously funny and um sincere and sarcastic like she's everything honestly I absolutely love her. And then we have John Ronson. Oh, wonderful. Um, I know, big fan. So um, he's over in uh, in New York. So, and that was, we recorded that a couple of weeks ago before it's all kind of, you know, we were in lockdown state, but New York is now obviously a different level. Uh, Nicola Coughlin, Sharon Clifford, who's the sister in Fleabag. Um, yeah, so some some amazing. Um, and listen, we yeah. must we must talk about Ask Me Anything because you were you, oh, yes. you mentioned you'd recorded a couple of episodes, 
um, of this show. So tell us about it because it's really, I think it's really exciting. It's a new show that's going to be on hopefully later in the hopefully. summer. Yeah, I mean, we can't say anything for right. certain. <laughs> no. Um, and also it's not in the, ooh, we'll let you know close to time. It's literally no one fucking knows what's happening. Um, but... So, yeah, it's called Ask Me Anything, which obviously is a premise that I think originated on Reddit, but obviously Instagram has like an Ask Me Anything function. And it's kind of the idea that you people, celebrities, will will open up to being asked pretty much anything. So um, I, I guess I had found both in presenting shows, but also being a guest on shows, that the level of control around the topics, the areas, the 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 like structure, the format, the even the order in which the questions are asked, that actually there's so little surprise and so little scope really for like a natural conversation and to to go in ways that are a, a little unexpected. And so um we kind of ask people if they will agree to be asked anything. And it's within reason. And I've said, you know, I did an interview beforehand when we actually thought the show was going out. And I said it's never with the view to making somebody deeply uncomfortable or embarrassed or, um, you know, kind of publicly shaming someone into talking about something that was deeply unpleasant or hurtful for them or whatever. But it is about kind of recognising the value in those moments where there's a, there's a, a thought happening as you like unfolding and somebody is just like in the moment because they haven't pre-prepared an answer they don't know what they're going to be asked and so what we found is like some really funny great moments some insight into people that you wouldn't necessarily see when they put on their kind of front-facing head or as I call it my phone voice you know and suddenly you're in that mode Um, so it's it's just a bit looser yeah and like a, a brilliant lineup of of people and you know all of that is is up in the air and that's there's you know, a slight moment of, oh shit, we were, ju- we were just getting going really. Um, but it will come back and there are bigger things at play at the moment and it's out of everybody's control. And ultimately it was decided because obviously Late Late Show is, um, is continuing. Um, I thought it was funny. Maya Dunphy the other day tweeted, she's like, it only took a pandemic to get a woman on the couch. <laughs> Global know, pandemic. Miriam It's like, touche. Yeah, she was fantastic. Tell me this, you, with all your different jobs on the BBC and doing so well in England, which is really congratulations on all your successes. So you've accumulated a few celebrity friends. Do you think this um, whole situation is a bit of a leveller now? Like, it feels like it doesn't matter how fancy your house is or whatever. Everyone is sort of in the same boat. Uh, what do you think? Or is that what you're you're sensing from the celebrity friends you have? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's like I remember somebody saying to me before that having a a, a child was a real leveler, and in their words, because you're clean as shit like the rest of us. And I was like, fair enough. Sorry, I don't know how crude I can be, but yeah, this is. This is that thing where we're all at home in our scabby pajamas, like schlepping around and and being obedient and kind of, you know, it's yeah, everybody is very human in it, and I think we all have that universal kind of fear, that sense of that lack of control, and I mean it's across the board. So it's whether you've lost your 
your job in the bank or whether you've lost your telly job. It's like, yeah, everybody's, that uncertainty is is universal. The anxiety that's born out of that, the fact that it it hits everybody. It's not, you, you can't buy your way out of this, you know, and that's obviously there is is privilege and there's protection in in being able to uh, to take a break from work um, and stay at home. Uh, my sister is a nurse and she has been off on parental leave and she's decided she needs to go back because there are jobs that, that are vocations. And, you know, there's part of me that selfishly doesn't want her to go back in the HSE to be literally on the front line dealing with that, but also like massive, massive respect for people who are putting themselves in like in the firing line when really the only job, and yes, look, economically, there's massive implications probably for years to come. But we, at this moment in time, our job, if you want, is to is to stay at home and don't be a dickhead. And actually, I just think that the level of respect I have for people who are choosing to leave the safety and the comfort of their homes, even if they're surrounded by annoying people <laughs> and children. Uh, <laughs> I don't know actually, what you're talking about there. don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, but yeah, I do think like, yeah, there is, it's, it's a total leveler, which is lovely. And I mean, social media has kind of giving you that but there's a lot of there's a lot of gloss much like the chat show there's a lot of gloss there's a lot of versions you know a presentable version that you give to an audience a very small snippet of that and suddenly that veneer is kind of is gone and it's it's really refreshing and actually I think from a celebrity's point of view is probably um very liberating you know, unless you're a dickhead underneath like a big smile. And there's a lot of those as well. But like if you were a normal, decent human and suddenly you're allowed to go, oh, hang on, I can actually just be myself now because like there's no other choice. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a real Instagram person. I'm on there occasionally. But is there, I'm, I'm curious as to whether you think there's competitive lifestyle pandemic stuff going on on Instagram. Like I'm writing my novel, I'm painting my pictures, I'm doing all these amazing things. <laughs> Angela just held up her middle finger. I'm just telling you that now. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I did. I'd actually posted on Instagram about that yesterday. So I was like this insane kind of um, sense that we all need to be massively productive, that this is the time to start that business that you never had time to do. This is the time to get your degree. This is the time to write your masterpiece. And it's like, yeah, it's also the time to sit in your four-day-old pyjamas and eat crisps. It's like, and I get that and I get, and actually I do think that's a, that's a, um, a sense of control. It's people trying to hold on to some semblance of normality and some idea that they're in control of their own um, destiny and life. And that's not to say that I don't believe that, but I think, um, yeah, it it does put a lot of pressure on. And I also think there's a slight glamorization of bloody loungewear and, you know, TikTok, I can't go there, but... Um, yeah, this kind of idea that we're all at home having a big party, which is lovely and it's very glamorous to flick through it. And, you know, the only concern is your hair tutorial, all of which is valid on some level. But I, I think as the weeks go by, looking back on some of that, we will think, geez, that was tone deaf. 
that actually the seriousness of what is is coming down the tracks and I think maybe this is a bit more so here because we were later to the to the um game I feel like in Ireland yes there will absolutely be um uh you know be be deaths and there will be pain massively but I feel like it will be less because everyone's obediently done what they like really responsibly and I you know somebody was saying actually I think it was my husband who was saying it it's like Irish people are are wired actually for pain we're wired for suffering it's why we were able to take it on the chin when the recession came when people were on the streets going absolutely not we can sustain kind of um suffering I think in a way that's quite unique and I know that sounds like a really grim thing but in this instance I think there's a pride there's a national pride in the responsibility that every single person is taken and as a very proud Irish woman on the outside and feeling increasingly on the outside um I feel nothing but pride for the way it's been handled and turn on the BBC and question time are asking, why hasn't it been handled? Why haven't you done what the Irish people have or what the Irish government have done? Or why? And look, the Irish government, that's a whole other story, but I actually think it's its the like people in Ireland who have literally gone, okay, we'll do it. And almost without question, I know there are stories of people, you know, but by and large, people have gone, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it for the greater good. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it really does feel like that. There's something very special about that community aspect to it. And even I just went out for a cycle with my daughter there um, half an hour ago. And as I was going out, God, I was so moved. There was two policemen and I was thinking, oh, God, are they around to break up some groups or whatever? Well, they knocked on one of my elderly neighbor's door and they were just checking the shopping list. They were I could hear them saying, yeah, slice pan, blueberries, uh, apples. And they were they're basically going shopping. And I just thought, oh, my God, I'm sure that's happening it's in England, too. But gorgeous. it really moved me. And all those little acts, they're the kind of things you want to see on Instagram. Not like 100%. look at my latest uh, makeup thing and all that although you know I also think we need to have fun too and I think we need to um, find ways to boost our morale and I don't think we should be too sniffy but it's more the competitive thing that I don't like before you go Angela tell me about um, your lucky rubies too so there's not much homeschooling there's more just keeping her (laughs) you're not trying to hothouse her or teach her chess or anything no 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 I'm quite loose on the whole thing I have to be honest Um, and we were really like right just about oh we've never done tablets and she you know we'd kind of go out for lunch somewhere and we'd literally tag team I'd pace the place he'd eat his dinner I'd do the same and and so we were very like oh no we don't do that and now she's suddenly Daniel Tiger and bloody like there's a list airplanes and Garfield and whatever so we're I mean we're trying to limit it but there are we've been a bit looser no, that's good. I think everyone's had to do that. I know in my house, certain things that were not allowed and now they're allowed. And if we're going to survive and if we're all going to still love each other after this, we all need to give each other a bit of leeway and a bit of understanding. We also need little moments on our own. I'm trying to just get out on my own. Sometimes it's it's hard, but I definitely yeah. need that headspace just to be with my own thoughts myself and not anybody else. 
Um, yeah, and it, but even the act of having to kind of ask for permission to to do that because you know somebody needs to hold the fort. It's kind of sudden. I, I think those are the little subtle things that we're not quite feeling just yet, or we're maybe feeling, but we don't know why we're feeling them. You know, and we're doing the right thing, and we're doing what we're told, and we're proud of that, but we're also kind of wanting to burst a little bit. So I think it's giving yourself a, a massive. Um, I was going to say gin, but then I said break. <laughs> definitely, definitely. There's a lot to be said for a massive gin at all times of day. Um, no, you're reminding me of Sinead O'Connor. We had her on um, last week. And oh, I she, love she her was, so much. She was so funny. She was saying, like, for a rebel, if you have any rebellious, and I think you're a bit like that, I'm definitely like that. Oh. This time is so weird because, um, you know, like you're kind of wanting to rebel, but you're wanting to do the right thing. And I, that sense of wanting Listen. to burst out of it is really real. Oh, my God, it's so real. <laughs> And it's so funny because the other day I went and I put the bins out and I put my like boxes in the recycling bin, which I do very diligently and obediently on a weekly basis. And I thought, so I've been like have a therapist. And so I was actually thinking, I can't wait to let her know that I have only done my one walk of the day because my instinct is always to go, oh, yeah, these suckers do one walk a day. I'm going to freaking lap the park as many times as I want. And so I have this kind of, oh this is what it feels like to do the right thing. I am with you so much. And there's something beautiful in that, that we are curtailing all those instincts and we are stepping into line and we are doing our duty. And we will be better people for it, Angela. Come on. Come on, we can do it. Listen, it's been fantastic talking to you. So that episode is going up tomorrow, Tuesday, 7th of April. And it's the series, including Marion Keys, John Ronson, all those brilliant people. And it's all about gratitude, something we're all trying to cultivate more. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. The best of luck. It's a pleasure. um, Love to all your family there in your lockdown situation. And, yeah, um, go have a gin. Well, I'm going to have a massive gin now. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Take care of yourself, Angela. Bye, lovely. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to Razan Ibrahim and Angela Scannon. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast. Or you can email us. The address is thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.